Hello and welcome to episode two of Coaching from the Couch. Today I'm going to be giving my preview for the conference finals matchups in the East and in the West. All right, so starting off in the West with the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid taking on Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche. I feel like since the beginning of the playoffs, this is kind of the matchup everybody wanted and everybody was kind of expecting. Um, everybody knew Edmonton and Calgary were going to be the round two most likely, and then Colorado and Minnesota or Colorado and St. Louis, which ended up being. But Colorado was kind of a shoe-in, and it was either Edmonton or Calgary out of the Pacific. So, all right. This was kind of one of the matchups that everybody thought was going to happen, let's be honest. Um, Edmonton and Colorado, those offenses are just kind of unstoppable. Or, well, Edmonton offense, <laughs> Dreisaitl and McDavid are unstoppable. And I just think that this is kind of the matchup everybody was hoping for, and that's the matchup we're going to get. Edmonton is coming off of a seven-game series against L.A., where it really should not have gone seven, but L.A. put their hearts out on the ice and played their heart out, and Calgary in five. Calgary, I think it was more, it was a closer series than five, but I just think Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl wanted it so bad to get out of the second round that Calgary just ran into a monster. Colorado, actually, on the flip side, kind of didn't struggle at all, really. I mean, they swept Nashville. They didn't have UC Soros in that, so that was kind of expected. And then they beat St. Louis in six in what should have been, in my opinion, a five-game series, but they lost that game five in heartbreaking fashion in overtime after Nathan McKinnon scored probably the goal of the year, in my opinion. He literally went through the entire team by himself and still finished on it. So, I mean, you got to win that game and you just don't. Team let him down a bit, going to be honest. So, regardless of whether they won or not, though, it doesn't matter because they won in game six when it counted and they won the series. And so they move on to the Western Conference Finals and will take on Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Now, if this postseason proves anything it's that regular season does not matter i mean the rangers kind of decimated the penguins in the regular season and they got taken to seven and barely came out of that series so i mean postseason doesn't really reflect regular season at all although i will still say in the regular season colorado won the first game in march 21st 3-2 in overtime they won the second game april 9th Two to one in a shootout, and Edmonton won the third and final game on April twenty second, six to five in regulation. First, looking at Edmonton, point leaders in the postseason in twelve games played. McDavid seven goals, nineteen assists, twenty six points. Twelve games played. Drysital same thing, seven goals, nineteen assists, twenty six points. Twelve games played. Evander Kane twelve goals, three assists, fifteen points. Big fall off there. In 11 games played, Darnell Nurse, two goals, one assist for three points. Duncan Keith, one goal, four assists for five points. And Tyson Berry in 12 games, one goal, three assists for four points. When it comes to goaltending, the Oilers have actually gotten a lot out of Mike Smith. 12 games played, 8-3-0 with 2.7 goals against and a 927 save percentage. 
when he's not letting in goals from the blue line, he's been pretty good. And moving on to Miko Koskinen, who came in for two games but didn't start. He went 0-1, a 5.23 goals against average, and an 8.65 save percentage. Um, I think Edmonton's biggest issue, and I mean, it's easy to see from a mile away, is depth. After McDavid and Dreisaitl, they don't even have another 20-point score, which, I mean, is expected. It's not like everybody's going to get 20 points in the playoffs, but they don't even have a... The only other player that's a point per game is Evander Kane, and he is just playing with McDavid. So, I mean, come on. And they don't have a single defenseman that has more than five points. And especially going up against a team like Colorado where that forward depth can kill you, not having a defenseman that can start a play or start the rush is going to hurt a lot especially if Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl aren't on the ice. The issue I think Edmonton will run into is when Dreisaitl and McDavid aren't on the ice, what do you do? Because, I mean, Evander Kane's playing with McDavid anyway, and that third line kind of is a fall-off. There's not much to be desired there. And, I mean, you see the depth that Colorado has, and when you're going to be trying to match up lines, how are you going to be able to even like decide how you match up lines of Colorado when Colorado's depth just goes line by line by line? I mean, each they have a player on each line that can easily put a puck in the back of the net. I think this is probably as far as Edmonton goes. As much as I'd love to see McDavid win a cup, I just I don't think him and Dreisaitl can put the team on their back against a team like Colorado and I just think Colorado is built to win and they're just gonna steamroll through Edmonton I think the biggest difference is going to be the defensive cores I mean Edmonton Darnell Nurse you're paying him nine million next year to have three points in the playoffs I mean come on and Duncan Keith he traded for him and he only got five points I know he's old but you got to get more out of your defensemen. Although, moving on to Colorado, they have Nathan McKinnon, 10 games played, 8 goals, 5 assists for 13 points. McCarr, 10 games played, 3 goals, 10 assists, 13 points. Landeskog, 10 games played, 6 goals, 5 assists, 11 points. Miko Rantanen, 10 games played, 1 goal, 10 assists, 11 points. And Nazem Kadri, 10 games played, 5 goals, 5 assists, 10 points. And then in goal... They had Darcy Kemper, who's played nine games, a 6-2-0 record, a 2.4 goals against, and a 9.04 save percentage. And then Philip Francouz played two games, went 1-2-0, 2.97 goals against, along with a 9.02 save percentage. If Edmonton has a chance, it's that this goaltending does not get substantially better. I mean... A 905 or 904 is not necessarily great, especially when you're going to be playing Connor McDavid, who was able to make Jonathan Quick at some points look like he is not great. Although Jonathan Quick did stand on his head during that series, let's be honest. But still, um, Connor McDavid is going to take advantage of weak goaltending, and so is that Leon Dreisaitl. And if they can take advantage of some subpar goaltending and Colorado can't really play catch-up, then 
Colorado's going to be in for a long series, even if they do end up winning. Although, what I do believe is the big difference is the fact that Colorado has a guy like Cal McCarr on their blue line. Edmonton simply just doesn't have an answer for that on their blue line. Cal McCarr has been otherworldly all year long. He's been otherworldly in the playoffs. I mean, you saw him in the Nashville series. He was on another planet. Um, So Cal McCarr is a big difference there. I think he's the key player for Colorado. If Cal McCarr can't keep this play up and keep producing and running that team, I think Edmonton has a good chance to win this series if they can shut Cal McCarr down. And then looking at special teams for each team, Edmonton has a 28.2% power play and an 85.4% penalty kill in the playoffs. And Colorado has a 34% power play and a 73% penalty kill. Edmonton needs to take control of every power play and call they get because a 73% penalty kill for the Avs is not great and it's not ideal. So if Edmonton can score, I mean, 27% of the time on the power play and they get a good amount of calls, that could turn a series around. Not that I want a series to be determined by calls, but I mean, a team has to take advantage of what they're given, especially in a series like this where, in my opinion, Edmonton really has their backs against the wall matched up against a team like Colorado. So if that Edmonton power play can get going and keep producing... They could easily win the series just off of getting good calls and getting good pressure and just converting chances. But also, this is as far as Nathan McKinnon's ever been, and I don't think Nathan McKinnon is just going to let the Edmonton Oilers walk all over the team like that, and I don't think Connor McDavid will let the Avs walk all over the Oilers like that. I think this will be a good series just because of the wills of these two superstars that are playing Although, no matter how much McDavid does, no matter how much Dreisaitl can do, I just, I can't bring myself to see an Edmonton team with such little depth. And I mean, no, really, realistically, no help from the D. I just, I don't see a team like that beating a team like Colorado. St. Louis came close because of their depth and because of their stellar goaltending that they had gotten. And because of their decor being deep and able to produce and protect. But Edmonton's D has just not been great. And so I'm going to have to say Colorado wins this in five or six. Although in a do or die situation, I'm never going to bet against Connor McDavid. Um, It's proven to bite people many times now. So it's kind of just I wouldn't be surprised if this goes seven but I still think it's a Colorado Stanley Cup final ticket being punched by the end of this series. I think what really, like I said earlier, what really brings me that decision is the lack of D-help that Edmonton's had throughout this playoffs. I mean, you can't have a combined, from your top three defensemen, you have a combined, what, uh, 11 points? I mean, players on, Adam Fox has a point per game. Uh, for the Rangers, Cal McCarr, you just can't have a defenseman like that, like Darnell Nurse, not produce for you in the playoffs. You're not going to get very far. And I think Edmonton kind of got lucky by a Calgary team that 
wasn't really. I don't think they were expecting Edmonton to come out swinging like they were. And I think that Calgary was also in a grueling series against a physical Dallas team. Not to take anything away from Edmonton, but I just think that Edmonton did, was just more rested than Calgary and kind of wanted it more. Calgary just kind of seemed to be lackadaisical at some points, and they would just let the puck get past the net, and Mark just wasn't having a good series. And Mike Smith turned it on. Maybe Mike Smith turns it on for another series, and they can somehow make the Stanley Cup final. But I just, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Colorado in six. That's my prediction. Colorado in six. Nathan McKinnon makes it to his first Stanley Cup final. Nazem Kadri, Darcy Kemper, Kalmakar, and the boys make it to the final. And they face whoever comes out of the East, which, if we're being honest, will most likely be the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, come on. <laughs> Don't bet against Tampa is what everybody's learned. I mean, just look at the Battle of Florida. Yikes for the Florida Panthers. And speaking of the Florida Panthers, we now move over to the eastern side of the finals where we have the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions taking on the New York Rangers. First, looking at the regular season matchup, the Rangers won all three games. December 31st in a 4-3 shootout win, the game winner scored by Mika Zibanejad. On January 2nd, a 4-0 New York Rangers win, Igor posting a 38-save shutout, and Mika with a hat-trick, and on March 19th, a close 2-1 New York Rangers win. So, in the season, the Rangers were 3-0 against the Lightning, but as we No, regular season does not mean anything when it comes to the playoffs. The playoffs are a completely different breed of game, especially when you're playing a team like the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions in Tampa Bay. Speaking of that back-to-back Stanley Cup champion team, Tampa Bay has not had necessarily an easy playoffs, but second round might lead you to believe so. They lost or won against Toronto in seven games in a close seven-game series. A 2-1 Game 7 close, close game could have gone either way, but Tampa, with their experience, sneaks out the win and a not-really-close-at-all Florida sweep. Florida looked dead in the water. I mean, they, they were dead after they were going to OT, and then Tampa went, comes in and wins the game at the end. Their power play in the playoffs is a 22.9% through 11 games, and their PK is an 87.8% through those 11 games as well. Their leading point scorers are none other than the regular three with Nikita Kucherov, 11 games played, 4 goals, 11 assists, 15 points. Victor Hedman, 11 games played, 2 goals, 8 assists, 10 points. Stammer with four goals, four assists for eight points. And a unlikely hero for them is Ross Colton with five goals, three assists for eight points. And in that, it's none other than the best in the world, Andre Vasilevsky. Even if he doesn't win the Vesna, you're lying to yourself if you don't think he's the best. He is 8-3-0, a 2.22 goals against, and a 9-3-2 save percentage. And I don't even have to talk about his stats after a loss because you've probably seen them 
all over your social media feed after every Toronto win. I'm sick of it. I know you're sick of it. I get it. He's great. But please stop shoving it down my throat. I cannot deal with it. And moving on to the New York Rangers, who had played a bit more games in a bit closer series. The Pittsburgh Penguins brought down at 7 after a 3-1 series comeback, with each of those three wins in the comeback being a comeback win, by the way. Interesting stat there. No quit in New York is true. And Carolina in seven games, just happening a few hours ago as I'm recording this, a 6-2 dominating win, finally snapping the Carolina Hurricanes' seven-game home streak in the playoffs. They are now 7-1 and one at home, and they are now staying home. And some of the Rangers' point-getters are in 14 games played. Mika Zibanejad with seven goals, 12 assists for 19 points. Adam Fox, 14 games played, 5 goals, 13 points, assists for 18 points. Cop, 14 games played, 6 goals, 6 assists for 12 points. And Chris Kreider, Mr. Big Time Elimination Game, apparently. Kreider with 8 goals, 3 assists, and 11 points. Igor, who has been otherworldly these playoffs, with a 2.68 goals against average and a 9.28 save percentage. And in the Carolina series, seven games played a 1.72 goals against in a 9.53 save percentage. The Hurricanes could not solve Igor. For their power play, they are 32.5% through 14 games, and their penalty kill is 80.5% through those 14 games. The Rangers will have home ice advantage throughout this series due to finishing higher in their division than Tampa did in their own division. So the Rangers will have that Game 7 at MSG if necessary. But I'm going to be honest, I don't think the Rangers can make it to Game 7. I just, Tampa is too good, they're too experienced, they're too hot. But that being said, the Rangers are now 5-0 and in elimination games, and they just seem to keep coming back in these ending elimination games and they just keep winning they keep coming back they force their way back into a series they force their way back into a game the no quit in new york is true in the city i think a quote i really liked was chris Kreider, who said that the rangers are like cockroaches they just didn't want to go down they don't want to go down no matter how many times you try you can't get rid of them that's just the locker room must be high following a guy like Kreider. They should have given him the captainship this year, and they should give it to him next year. He is the guy in that locker room, and he needs to be on top of his game if they're going to beat Tampa Bay Lightning. Another guy who needs to find his game, get back on, on his game, is Artemi Panarin, who has only four goals and seven assists and 11, and 11 points in the 14 games. After having a 96-point season for the Rangers and leading them in points, he has been almost invisible in the playoffs, having some games where he's got no points. Yes, he was the overtime hero in Game 7, but sometimes that's just not enough. He just doesn't look like himself. He hasn't been skating like himself. He hasn't been making plays like himself. He just hasn't been the Artemi Panarin of this season that we've seen. And it's just it's shown very heavily that he needs to find his game. And if he doesn't find his game, the Rangers 
will have a very hard time winning a series against a team like Tampa, where you need every line to be able to produce easily and effectively against a team that can roll four lines as well as Tampa can. A player who is an unexpected hero for the Rangers is Philip Heedle, who came alive in the Carolina series with four goals, including one in the Game 7 and two in Game 6 and then one in Game 1, which would have been the game winner had the game not gone to overtime. I mean, along with Heedle, who in my opinion has been the Rangers' best and most consistent forward on the forecheck and just getting chances, has been his two line mates on the kid line where each player is 22 or younger. Capocacco and Alexi Lafreniere have proven that they belong, especially Alexi Lafreniere. He just looks like he belongs on that ice. Even if points aren't coming, goals aren't coming that much, he still has two goals and five assists for seven points and that line has just been insane for the rangers been a great energy bug for the rangers even when the rangers haven't been playing well that line's been playing well so that's going to be a big key for tampa if that line can keep it going the rangers have a chance to win this series so what is the key for the rangers winning this series i mean i don't really want to talk much about tampa's keys to victory i mean it's going to be what you've done for the past three years really to make it this far and win two cups in a row and be in the eastern conference finals again i don't really want to go over the same thing that everybody else is going to go over so i'd rather talk about how the rangers can slay the beast first and foremost they need igor to keep being igor the minute igor falls the rangers have nothing i personally believe igor for heart should be I mean, yeah, Matthews scored 60 goals, but without Matthews, the Leafs are still doing okay. I mean, they probably still sneak into the playoffs somehow. But without Igor, the Rangers are dead in the water. I mean, you've seen when Igor was having a bad game in Pittsburgh and he had to get pulled, the Rangers couldn't do anything. I mean, they came back almost in one of the games, but Georgiev let him down. He let in a goal and they lost 5-4. But Igor has been this team's rock. He is their foundation. If Igor goes down, the ship goes down. The Rangers need to limit shot chances and inner slot chances. The Rangers are getting outshot, outplayed, out ozone timed, I guess, in every series so far. I mean, they were outshot by 40 shots in the Pittsburgh series, and they were outshot in every game, I'm pretty sure, against the Carolina Hurricanes. The Rangers need to find a way to be the better offensive team. They can't rely on off chances all the time, and they have to start creating chances for themselves, which the kids line has done very well, and I think that they can continue to do that well, but it's really going to apply or rely on those top two lines finding their game, which that top line did find their game, I think, finally in game seven and game six. But that Panarin line really does need to get something going. I mean, Kopp and Strom have been good, but Panarin, who's the driving force on that line, he's got to figure out what's going on, take a day to rest, think how you can play, improve your game, and just come out swinging in Tampa. And lastly, I just think that Adam Fox needs to keep being who Adam Fox is. That power play is nothing without Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, and then Kreider in the front of the net. Strom's there, but Strom's Strom's a decoy, let's be honest. It's 
the pass to Mika, the pass to Kreider, or the pass to Panarin, back to Kreider, back to whoever, and then Mika will score somehow. That power play and Adam Fox need to stay hot. The Rangers relied very heavily on the power play against Carolina in game in both games at MSG. Their first goal was on the power play, and they scored twice on the power play in game seven at Carolina and they desperately need to keep that power play going and keep the good penalty kill going they took some dumb penalties against Carolina but they kept that penalty kill in hand and they kept it in check and they didn't let the Carolina Hurricanes score another shorthanded goal on them like they did so easily in the first few games and again Andrew Kopp needs to keep playing the way he is Andrew Kopp has proven to be a great acquisition for the Rangers at the deadline and honestly, I I think I'm going to compare this to a Jeff Gordon trade that was made a few years ago and brought our lovely Mika Zibanejad to the Rangers, and that was the Mika Zibanejad Derek Broussard deal. This cop deal reminds me a lot of that deal. He gave up a prospect in Morgan Barron who really wasn't getting much playing time under Gallant, and he just... He didn't fit the roster really much at all, and he traded him for a bona fide second-line center or a third-line center or even a second-line winger in what he's being used, but probably future second-line center after Strom walks. And the first he gave up, that is now a first because the Rangers made the Eastern Conference Final, is going to be a bottom four pick. So, I mean, that's basically a second-round pick at that point. And also, who's going to complain about losing a first if it gets you to the Eastern Conference Finals? I mean, even if it's not a cup, it's still an Eastern Conference Finals when this team was maybe hoping for just playoffs, you know? So, Andrew Kopp, I just, he is a big energy bug for that team, and I think that if Andrew Kopp stays producing and keeps playing the way he is that the Rangers have a shot to win this series although as much as I am talking about the Rangers I just don't think that the Rangers have the structure defensively and the I guess experience to compete with a team like Tampa Bay I think a lot of people don't think Tampa Bay has much to play for have much to prove but if anything I think they have it all to prove they have Tampa Bay Lightning, a lot of people think they have two Mickey Mouse Cups because they had the Cup last year in the shortened season, and then they had the Bubble Cup. I personally don't think so. I think they proved that they're Cup contenders, and they've proved it by winning two Cups in a row. I mean, you win two Cups in a row in any situation, that's hard to do. But I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning want to prove that in a full 82-game season, in a non-COVID affected season or all mostly non-COVID affected season that they can win the cup and they can compete with the best of the best. So Tampa will be playing with a lot of desperation even though they aren't necessarily desperate to win a cup. That core has two cups already but I mean there's still guys on that team who haven't won a cup so you're gonna have desperate guys everywhere. Although Tampa has played a lot of hockey in the past three years so I would not be surprised if we maybe see a tired team. Maybe the Rangers take advantage of that and they can win it in six or seven. But I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't see Tampa really giving up like that. I can't see them tiring out. Everybody said that against Florida. I just, I can't see it. Anything causes Tampa to lose the series, it's just going to be Igor stands on his head and shuts the team completely down and 
puts the backpack back on, wins four games, and you're headed to the Stanley Cup final for the New York Rangers. But, like I said, I just think Tampa is too deep. The Rangers are a very young team. I mean, they're the youngest median age in the league. I think they were 27. The closest team was 27.9. So, they almost have a full year under other teams in the playoffs. So, I just think the Rangers... Eastern Conference Finals is something to be very proud of and very happy with. And, I mean, if who knows? It's the playoffs. Rangers are 5-0 in elimination games. Maybe they want to go 8-0. and Who knows? Maybe they just want to build the suspense again and make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and defeat the demon that everybody has been trying to defeat in the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I simply just do not think that the Rangers will do it. So, my final prediction will be Tampa Bay in six. And if the Rangers do win, I think it will be the Rangers in seven. And I think they will need that game seven because it will be at home at the Garden. And the Rangers play much better at the Garden. You saw it in the Carolina series. Although, you might as well have been in the Garden for game seven with how many Rangers fans were there. But I'm going to stick with Tampa Bay in six. That is my final prediction. So with that leaves me with a Tampa, Colorado final. I know it's boring. It's what everybody's thinking. But I mean, it's the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs against a team as deep as Colorado. I I mean, that's how you build a team, really. I just I don't see it being any other way. But crazier things have happened. So maybe I'll be completely wrong and the New York Rangers will be playing Edmonton. So, regardless, my prediction is Tampa Bay and Colorado. All right, and so that concludes my predictions for the Western and Eastern Conference Finals for the NHL playoffs. Game one of the Western Conference Finals is tonight, Tuesday the 31st, against Edmonton and Colorado, starting in Colorado It'll be a great series. I mean, McDavid versus McKinnon. Who doesn't want to see that? And on Wednesday will be the New York Rangers hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning in game one at 8 p.m. as well, which is Tampa Bay versus New York City, the Champs versus New York City. I mean, the NHL is speaking in dollar signs with this Western Conference and Eastern Conference final. I mean, they are smiling ear to ear with how many people are going to have their eyeballs on these matchups. And I mean, I'm going to be honest, I a lot of people are looking at Nathan McKinnon versus Connor McDavid. I'm going to be honest, I'm looking at Igor versus Vasilevsky, the young Russian versus the old Russian. I mean, come on, who doesn't want that? Also, this is a bit of a revenge game, or revenge series rather, for the Rangers, who actually the last time they made the Stanley or Eastern Conference Finals was... When they lost to Tampa Bay and Tampa went on to lose to the Chicago Blackhawks in 2015. And so the Rangers, even though it's, I mean, it's a completely different team. I'm not sure there's anyone left from that team except for Kreider. And so this is a big revenge game and series for the Rangers fans and Rangers, Rangers players. I mean, even if you weren't on that team, you still remember that history and you want to write that history and make it to a final and win a cup for yourself and those fans. And I mean, even Colorado Edmonton, you're looking at Connor McDavid, who 
wants nothing but a cup and to prove that he is the best player in the world. I mean, not that he has to win a cup to do that. I think he's the best player in the world regardless. But then you're facing up against Nathan McKinnon and the Colorado Avalanche who have just had years and years of not being good enough. And they're finally eight wins away, which I mean is only halfway, but still they're only two series wins away. Let's put it that way. That sounds better, right? They're two series wins away from that elusive cup, and they'll finally have it for the first time since 2002 when Ray Bork finally raised that cup. But now it'll be Nathan McKinnon finally raising that cup, and he will be raising it for all of Colorado, and they just want that cup back in Colorado. But that's enough talk about the would-be Stanley Cup Finals. That will be in a future episode where I give my picks for that when we know who out of these four teams are the last two teams. Hopefully it is a good conference finals regardless of the series. Let's hope for no sweeps. Sweeps are boring, let's be honest. Who actually enjoyed a sweep of Tampa Bay if you're not a Tampa Bay fan, you know? Either way, we have some great series ahead of us, some great storylines ahead of us, and I can't wait to watch some more playoff hockey as time winds down, as the season winds down, sadly, as the season winds down, and then we look towards the draft and free agency and just boring stuff. But then we'll get back to hockey in October, and it'll hopefully be a short four or five months by the time the playoffs are over, and we'll be right back into talking hockey. Well, either way, that was episode two of Coaching from the Couch. Thank you again for listening, and I appreciate all of the support. All right, and so there you have it. Again, I have Colorado versus Tampa is my finals prediction. Um, Let's hope we get a, some good series regardless, and let's hope we get a good conference finals. Thank you for listening, and have a good one.